Welcome to Trib Talk. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. After interviewing 165 people and scouring tens of thousands of documents, House investigators reached this conclusion that former Utah Attorney General John Swallow effectively hung a for sale sign on his office, breaching the public trust and committing at least eight prosecutable crimes. And today on Trib Talk, we're talking about the committee's stinging report that was released a couple of weeks ago. Some lessons learned from the investigation and uh, the status of ongoing criminal investigations into Swallow's alleged misbehavior. And joining me on the Google Hangout today is Representative Jim Dunnigan. He's a Republican from Taylorsville who chaired the House Special Investigative Committee. He's here in the newsroom with me. And Representative, thank you so much for your time today. Hi, Jennifer. Also with us, House Speaker Becky Lockhart, who supported the investigation, joining us from her office in the Capitol. Speaker Lockhart, great to have you back. Thanks. Glad to be here. And you can join us as well. What do you want to know about the House investigation or their conclusions? Uh, and how do you think the prosecutors should proceed from this point? You can send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can put them in the comment section right here at sltrib.com. Or you can text us, and that number is 801-609-8059. Uh, Representative Dunnigan, I'll start with you. The, the House Investigative Committee was called into a session last July. D describe the scope of your investigation. What were the goals? The, the State House gave us two responsibilities. One was to look into the allegations that had been uh, published in the media and, and uh, otherwise and determine the factual basis if any for those and then secondly and after we determined the factual basis we were to report back to the house with our findings and then secondly we were to make any recommended changes in legislation to affect campaign reform law. Mm. Speaker Lockhart, why was it so important for for you and other House members to, to look into these allegations of misconduct um, and, and, and the, the, all of the issues swirling around former Attorney General John Swallow? Yeah, uh, it was very important uh, for a couple of reasons. The most important, I think, was that um, we were hearing from our constituents what's going on what is this true is it is it not true and we were reading a lot in the paper and as much as we love the papers we know that not everything they they uh, write is always true so it was what is really going on here what is the truth of these allegations uh, we weren't getting answers from any of the uh, agencies that we were we understood were doing investigations we had they had no um, obligation to give us answers uh, or to give us information and so uh, in order to restore the public trust. Uh, we, we felt it was very important as the House of Representatives to get to the bottom of these allegations. Mm. Well, we're going to walk through some of the uh, report's key findings, but generally what are your impressions of the findings and um, is it better or worse than what you read in the papers? Speaker Lockhart. Well, um, I'd have to say that uh, my general impressions are uh, in some ways I'm horrified, right? Uh, they were serious allegations and there are serious findings. And uh, these are things that I, I think the people of Utah uh, need to be aware of. Um, and uh, as Representative Dunnigan uh, mentioned, we brought forward some legislation to hopefully address some of these issues and get to the bottom of some of these things. And remember, from the beginning, uh, my concern was, you know, let's not just run a bill to fix a pro or to fix something that's already wrong or that's already against the law. 
Uh, but but I, I think the things that were discovered were uh, very serious and uh, brought up a lot of uh, uh, concerns and uh, things I think we as a state need to work on. Mm. Representative Dunnigan, what about you? I mean, what shocked or surprised or, or disappointed you in what you found? What kind of um, got me as we went through it was the how complex it was, the complexity of it, and it was far-reaching, and it took significant amount of time and, and resources to kind of determine the facts and what was factual and what was not. And we found that some of the allegations that we looked into, we didn't have enough facts to validate it, and so we didn't include those in, in our report, other facts that we did. And and uh, some of the things that, that occurred and that we reported out uh, affected thousands of Utahns. And so I feel bad for those that, that uh, were negatively impacted by some of the things that went on. Speaking with Representative Jim Dunnigan, also with us, House Speaker Becky Lockhart, we're talking about the conclusions of a report issued by the House Special Investigative Committee that was looking into alleged misconduct by former Utah Attorney General John Swallow. We invite you to join this conversation as well. Send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can put them in the comments section at sltrib.com or text us 801 6098059 uh, uh, the bipartisan committee got to work you know rolled up your sleeves in ju in July um, one of the first things to come out was missing emails what happened to that data representative Dunnigan? well initially the the attorney general the former attorney general said that some thousands of emails were lost when the attorney general's office migrated their email server from one to the other in the fall of 2012 and we definitely had an interest to look at the emails to see if there were any corroborating uh, information on the on the allegations. So after a significant amount of expense and resources, we actually determined that the emails were not lost in the migration, but they were in fact deleted prior to July of 2012, several months before the migration took place. And and next, you uncovered that some of the documents looked doctored. Uh, what was it that didn't look right? Well, the, we found some invoices for some purported work done on a cement processing plant in, in Nevada, and they didn't. The invoices didn't have dates on them, and as we checked into them, uh, well, initially we were given invoices that said these validates the time that Mr. Swallow had spent doing consulting work for the cement uh, plant. And as we looked into it, they were all standardized, they were uniform, and we, we started to question the dates of the invoices. And through our investigation, it turns out that the invo those invoices were actually created a year after the work was done. They, um, they, were, they were created to provide a paper trail of the work done, but they were not invoiced or created at the time the work was done. Hmm. Your report also concludes that Swallow gave Jeremy Johnson, a name that we've all become familiar with, extraordinary access uh, to the AG's office. Ask, access that would not have been granted to uh, you know, Joe Schmo coming off the street. What kind of access specifically are you talking about? Well, M Mr. Johnson had uh, access either in person or via phone or email to uh, Mr. Swallow and quite readily in the Attorney General's office. Uh, which did raise some concerns because, you know, at least part of the time, Mr. Johnson was under indictment from the Tri Federal Trade Commission, and 
He, in turn, provided certain, we believe, benefits to Mr. Swallow, such, such as the use of a luxury houseboat on Lake Powell, uh, the use of his private planes, uh, and other benefits. And the report also concluded that uh, Mr. Swallow was sort of intimately um, indebted to the payday lending industry. This is where um, a character named Richard Rawl comes in, right? That's correct. Richard Rawl was the owner of Czech City and also involved nationally in the payday lending uh, business. Here's a, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, Richard Rawl and Mr. Swallow were were friends. Uh, Mr. Swallow actually worked as the general counsel for Czech City for a, a while, and Mr. Rawl was a uh, important and good benefactor for Mr. Swallow. As I said, we're getting a lot of comments coming in. Um, I'll, I'll just highlight a few. Uh, this a text from Kearns. Uh, With all the money spent to uncover all that has been found, it ought to bring some charges that carry some serious prison time. That would certainly send a message. Um, from Salt Lake City, my husband and I cannot understand why Mr. Swallow is not already in jail. There are many people jailed for far less serious offenses. Um, Sky Utah 1 at sltrib.com writes, uh, where is the grand jury indictment? What is holding up putting Swallow and his buddies in jail? Um, obviously, you have nothing to do with the criminal prosecution of this case, but um, the report did conclude that there seemed to be enough evidence for eight, at least eight, criminal uh, charges against Mr. Swallow. Can you outline what those charges are? If I could real quickly make a comment Please. to that. Uh, the House of Representatives, obviously, as you stated quite well, we have no authority to prosecute, nor is that something that we would want to do. What we did was the investigation, and we shared uh, all of that information with the prosecutors, uh, and uh, we hope that they will take that information. It's very valuable information, and do with it what prosecutors uh, are supposed to do. Continue the investigation in some in some areas that we were unable to to continue because of the time, uh, and and when our investigation stopped. But also uh, look at the the allegations and look at the information that uh, the House was able to put together and and pursue that. So we are as uh, as curious as to where this is going to lead. I think as anyone else in the public, but that clearly is not the job of the legislature to prosecute or to uh, make those decisions. That is for uh, the county attorneys and, and I, I guess you could say um, even the feds at, at some point. Uh, joining us now is Salt Lake Tribune reporter Robert Gerke. And, and Robert, we've been talking about uh, some of the findings, the key findings in the report. Uh, can you bring us up to speed on the, the prosecution side? Because as I mentioned, the report does outline a number of prosecutable prosecutable offenses that uh, investigators had sort of laid out there. Uh, what's the status um, of the criminal part of this story? Right, right. And that was sort of one of the things that I was struck by by the report because we didn't really expect them to go into that sort of level of detail on what they were going to, you know, the, the potential criminal offenses. Uh, right now, we, you know, the, the prosecutors are a little bit guarded in what the, they're going to be able to tell us at this stage. Um, but the Salt Lake County District Attorney Sim Gill said he's looking three to six months before they're able to before they uh, bring this thing to a conclusion. I guess right now, of course, we do have the one individual who's been charged, Timothy Lawson. Uh, his his case is working its way through the system. 
Um, there have been some search warrants and, and so forth served on other parties as part of the investigative process, and and so it's it's just sort of it's sort of unfolding, I guess. And and you know they've got a number of FBI agents who are working on this in conjunction with the state uh, DPS investigators, um, and then uh, you know as I, as you mentioned the two the two county attorneys. So that's we're just kind of watching this and waiting for uh, waiting for some resolution on it. Mm. Uh, a couple emails. Uh, this from Greg Scherf. Why is Shirtliff referring to former uh, Utah Attorney General Mark Shirtliff? Why is Shirtliff getting a free pass? He did everything Swallow did, and he passed on the for sale sign to his hand-picked successor. Um, Blue Line Mike writes at sltrib.com. Is Swallow still in the area? Is Shirtliff? Does anyone know? I uh, uh, let's go to the Shirtliff question first. You referred to the scope of the investigation, Representative Dunnigan. Um, really isolated on Mr. Swallow, but it doesn't look, at least from the outside, it doesn't appear that um, Mark Shirtliff didn't know about these these events, what was going on in the office, um, and as someone suggested, maybe it was him who started the ball rolling. Is there a reason why you didn't really um, target uh, Mr. Shirtliff in these investigations um, as closely? Absolutely, there's a reason. When the State House passed its resolution empowering the committee to go forward and, and do its investigation, they gave us some very specific parameters and we were charged to look at the uh, uh, then Attorney General, Mr. Swallow, and the allegations surrounding him. And So we tried hard to keep to our mission. As we did our investigation, we did come across other players that were involved and some in the periphery of our investigation and some of them are reported on in our in our report but they were not the focus Mr. Swallow was the focus uh, I will say that we have a number of documents recordings etc that go beyond Mr. Swallow we have shared those with the FBI we have sent a copy of our report to the district attorneys the FBI and also to the state bar so that all, all of the work that we have done, and I'll, I'll also comment that we uncovered things that the FBI did not in their investigation, but we have worked closely with those and we have shared those with, uh, with those other entities. Speaker Lockhart, in regards to, to Mark Shirtliff, what, what do you make of it all? Yeah, you know, that's really hard to tell. Representative Dunnigan is um, correct in that the scope of the investigation was on uh, Mr. Swallow and the allegations surrounding um, his activities. Um, that really is, remember this is the first time that the House of Representatives um, has done something like this. Uh, we believe that it is an, an inherent power, constitutional power granted the legislative branch to do investigations. But this was the first, uh, our first foray into this uh, kind of a, of a duty and an obligation. And uh, so we wanted the, the uh, the committee to be in some ways uh, very focused on one thing that was the concerns that we were getting from our constituents had to do with the allegations surrounding the then Attorney General and so we wanted them to stay to that and, and as you see it was it was very expensive uh, it was very expensive to do this investigation we, we think that it was worth it uh, and and um, all of these ancillary uh, kinds of things in, in regards to uh, the former Attorney General uh, Mark Shirtliff and, and some of the other people involved in it, those are things that uh, we hope and believe that uh, the, the investigators and the prosecutors will continue to look at. Robert Erke, in, in reference to Blue Line Mike's question, do we know where Mr. Shirtliff and Mr. Swallow are right now? 
Yeah, I was I was going to mention that uh, Representative Dunnigan touched on this, I think, but had the House Investigative Committee found some, you know, some you know nefarious dealings here, and and had Swallow not resigned, their course of action would have been impeachment. This was not an impeachment investigation, but that sort of would have been the next step, if if they based on the findings. Um, and and with Mark Shurtleff being out of office, the House really didn't have any uh, authority or power. The same reason that the House decided, I think, Representative Dunnigan can testify to this, I guess, but the same reason the House decided to shut down the investigation once uh, the Attorney General Swallow resigned. Uh, as, it, as you mentioned, Attorney General Shirtliff, from what we understand based on our conversations, you know, in, in our reporting on this, he's still very much part of the active investigation. Uh, as I mentioned, the search warrants that were issued, many of them are to phones or devices that he's been, he's used or uh, he's mentioned prominently in the affidavit supporting the search warrants. And so I, I don't think there's any reason to believe that, you know, he's he's out of the woods, per se. Uh, I think we're just kind of, again, waiting to see what the, see where the prosecutors bring this, uh, when, when, the, when they bring this to a conclusion, you know, who's, who's named and who isn't, I guess. Mm. Uh, Representative Dunnigan, you mentioned that the actions, uh, the allegations against former Attorney General John Swallow, not didn't just affect a few people. There are thousands of people involved and in the report uh, it brings up the case of Timothy and Jennifer Bell who were involved in sort of a messy foreclosure case brought against a company called Recon Trust. The AG's office joined the case on behalf of uh, thousands of Utah homeowners and I guess trouble for Swallow began when the Bells held a fundraiser for him at uh, at their home. How, how does this involve all of these thousands of Utahns that you're talking about? Well, the, the, the Bells had requested the Attorney General's office to assist them in uh, pushing back against the Bank of America for closure on their home. And as this went through the process, as you said, the Bells held a, a fundraiser for Mr. Swallow. And um, the fundraiser that they reported cost $15,000, but then the Swallow campaign recognize that this was the the same Mr. Bell that was asking assistance from the Attorney General's office uh, to get a loan modified. So the campaign called the Bells and asked them to lower the amount of the contribution, the value of the fundraiser that the Bell sponsored, which they did. Initially they reported 15000 at the campaign's request. They lowered, lowered it to 1000 our investigator, investigators went in and got the receipts, and it turns out that it cost actually 28000 and the Bells eventually modified their report again, showing the 28000 But as this went through the, uh, the process, it was looking very favorable for that the Bells would qualify for this loan modification. The AG's office had interacted with the Bank of America, and there were several thousand other Utahns that potentially could have benefited from a, a loan modification. This was, a, a you know, a few years ago, remember, we were coming out of the recession, a lot of people were being threatened with foreclosures. But uh, just before, well, at any rate, the, the judge was ruling in, in favor of the bells. It looked good for the other uh, homeowners that the other assistant attorney generals had been working on it had added to the case. However, the, when the bell fundraiser started coming up and, and, uh, and the modification provisions were looking good for the bells, then uh, Mr. Shirtliff, who was Attorney General at the time, just a few days before he left office in 2012, he modified the court documents and basically said, we're not pursuing any action against Bank of America for loan modifications for anybody other than the Bells. 
and decided not to pursue it for the other thousands of Utahns that may have benefited from it. The judge, somewhat surprised, said, wait a minute, you know, basically said, your case is looking really good, the bells are, it's going to happen for the bells, and probably likely for these other Utahns, are you sure that you want to abandon them? And uh, the Attorney General Shurtleff said yes, he signed off on the court order that said we're not pursuing it for anybody else. And it ended up that about 5,000 Utahns had their mortgages foreclosed by Bank of America, many of which uh, may have qualified for this loan modification. For example, the Bells and their loan modification that, uh, that they were assisted from the Attorney General's office, they got over a million dollars of their mortgage forgiven and their interest rate was dropped from roughly seven and a half to two and a half percent. If similar provisions had been uh, pursued for the rest of the Utahns, those Utahns would have uh, likely benefited immensely. Hmm. Speaker Lockhart, when you hear about facts like that, what do you make of it? Yeah, it's it's uh, very disturbing and again one of those things that we hope that the prosecutors look very closely at. It's very unfortunate uh, that uh, that other Utahns and their concerns and their uh, legitimate claims weren't it seems to be weren't um, taken seriously by the Attorney General's office. Mm. Uh, this is a text coming from Logan. Please review for recoupment and nullification all benefits based on fraud from the outset. No retirement should be allowed and other pay and benefits should be analyzed for cancellation and reimbursement. I assume this is referring to um, uh, John Swallow's sort of care package on his way out. He did serve in the state government for um, the allotted time that allowed him to get some benefits even though that you cannot be responsible for criminal prosecution is there something the state can do to look at uh, the benefit package and um, and sort of spur reimbursement um, to, to state coffers speaker Locker? Yeah, yeah that's a that's a question that that we uh, many of us received from our constituents uh, when mr. swallow stepped down um, and uh, unfortunately, what we're getting from our attorneys is that you know, uh, Mr. Swallow was in government for quite a long time and did earn that benefit. Um, it's it's one of those things that it would be very very difficult for us to go back and take that from him because there's just no, there's nothing in the law that we're aware of up until this point that says anything about um, taking it away based on uh, you know a conviction or anything. And remember, there is no conviction, there is no prosecution yet. Uh, there may be in the future, but there still is nothing in our law uh, that that says uh, he can't have it. It just is one of those things. I, I think there is. I think there is a provision, though, that he he could lose a pension if he's uh, convicted for crimes stemming from his from the time he served in office, and and that was something that the lieutenant governor's office focused on a little bit uh, when they issued their report. Um, so that's that's something you know. Obviously, he's not going to be receiving his pension for several more decades, or at least a couple more decades. So there's a little bit of time for that to play out. Uh, right, and there's no there's no conviction yet. Right, right. I mean, right. there's there's nothing there, and so yeah, exactly. it's, it's, a, right. it's a frustrating thing. Um, I, I'm curious. The uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting so many texts coming in. I'm trying to sort through them all. Um, Let's see. The sentiments are that prosecutors should charge, prosecutors should charge, um, but you have no power over that. I want to reiterate that. Representative Dunnigan, when 
at, from the outset, you said that there were two goals. One was to conduct this investigation, but also to look into ways to prevent a swallow-like situa situation from happening again. Uh, sort of tick through uh, the legislative solutions that, uh, that our recent legislature came up with and, and passed. Laws that you think will close some of the loopholes that uh, Mr. Swallow allegedly took advantage of. Okay, there's there are a number of concerns. Let me just highlight a couple of them. One thing that we discovered is if you're a candidate and you're running a campaign in Utah, you're required to find file a campaign disclosure that shows how much money you take in and who who you get them from, how, how much you get from people, as well as what you spend it on. But one of the things that is going on is we'll have a candidate write a, a check to their campaign consultant or their campaign manager and they might give them $50,000 or $100,000 and all that's disclosed is I paid $100,000 to ABC Consulting. We have no idea what that money is used for. So in legislation that passed and the governor signed is actually is in effect now, the campaign manager and consultant, rightfully so, will be considered an extension of the candidate for filing. So if that campaign consultant gets $100,000, he will have to give an itemized listing back to the candidate that he spent so much for signs, for media buys, for whatever it's spent on, and the candidate will have to itemize that on the candidate's disclosure form. It's kind of a, a big loophole right now that exists and that we are closing. And another thing that came up is we have a conflict of interest. As candidates, we have to disclose what businesses we're involved in, what uh, ownership officers, uh, where our income comes from, so we, we can disclose if we have conflict or potential conflicts of interest. Uh, one thing that Mr. Swallow did is the day before he filed for office, he shifted ownership and control to family members and basically got it out of his name. So the day that he went in to file for his campaign, he didn't report uh, those things that he had been involved with, with as recently as the day before. So this year's le legislation requires a one-year one look back that you have to go back one year and list the, th the entities that you receive income from, that you're owner of or, uh, or a manager of. And so, and there are other things, uh, another thing that we're doing that we tied up in a separate piece of legislation this year is if there's a pattern of behavior that's violating this campaign law, that's obstruction the law, then it's kind of bringing in kind of a RICO statute where if there's three or more violations that penalties are enhanced. And the third piece of legislation this year clarifies and strengthens the legislature's ability to issue subpoenas. Mm. Uh, Robert Gerke, three bills that Representative Dunnigan just mentioned, what did not pass when it comes to good government, transparency, uh, what didn't make it through? Well, I mean, those those were generally the bills that arose directly from the Swallow investigation. There were a couple bills. Uh, Senator Weiler wanted to change the Constitution to have the Attorney General appointed rather than elected. That would have been a significant change uh, to the entire structure. Um, that didn't necessarily arise out of the investigation, but uh, out of some of the concerns that have been expressed about the, having the Attorney General raise large amounts of money on an ongoing basis. Another one related to raising large amounts of money was a proposal to, to cap campaign uh, contributions. Uh, Utah is one of the few states in the country that doesn't have a cap, and that was they, that that was voted down. Um, the contention among some of the people who oppose that is that if you if you put a cap on campaign contributions, what you ultimately do is end up pushing more of the money into the 501s, some of these nonprofit organizations that funneled a lot of the of the swallow money into the campaign through back channels, the so-called dark money that has been referred to. 
Um, there, there were also a number, a number of other recommendations in the report that I think will be studied more in the interim. Maybe Representative Dunnigan can address this as well. But there was, a, for example, a recommendation that the state consider appointing an inspector general, uh, which would then be able to go out and look at some of these things absent a full-blown House investigation or inquiry like that. Um, you know, there, there, there were a number of other potential changes that are there that I think will ultimately be looked at uh, over over the next uh, you know year or so. Mm. Uh, Speaker Lockhart, you mentioned that the House investigation, four million dollar price tag was worth it. Well, I mean, and and yet all of the allegations that are in the report are still refuted by um, Mr. Swallow's attorney, Rod Snow. What makes you think that this report is airtight? Well, uh, we've given this information, as I've said, um, over to the prosecutors, and they will do with it as they will, uh, which is their duty to do so. Um, they're continuing their investigations. Uh, we hope that the information that the taxpayers have provided through the House investigation will be valuable and will lead to some kind of conclusion. Um, as I said, you know, we've, we've got to remember there are there are three branches of government. There are separation of powers issues, and uh, we felt that um, the information around these allegations wasn't being found as good as Robert Gerke is in the press. Uh, we needed the truth uh, to a lot of these things, and we felt that it was appropriate uh, for the House to, to get this information. We, we have much of it now, and we've given it over to the proper authorities to take a look at it and make some, some judgments and decisions about where to go from here. Mm. And you said that this was the first time that the House has ever undertaken something like this. Uh, lessons learned, Speaker Lockhart? Yeah, uh, I think I might I just say that uh, Representative Dunnigan has done a, an incredible job as chair of this committee. We're very um, proud of the work of the committee, how um, how honorable and um, serious they, they they took this um, assignment. Uh, we're very proud of of the work that they were able to do, and um, I think that you'll see. I don't think you'll see a plethora of these committees happening in the future, but I think it was a, a good exercise for the legislature to, you know, to say, hey, wait, this is one of our constitutional rights, duties, and responsibilities, and uh, in the future you may see something, you know, similar happening uh, in some other issues that might come up. Representative Dunnigan, what, what's the takeaway for you? I think it was worthwhile. It's unfortunate that we had to do it, but, you know, from the outset we didn't know where this was going to lead, how long it was last, what it was, what it would cost, you know, we worked on it for about eight months. One of the things that really helped us is at the very first when the speaker asked me to chair the committee, and I said, well, is there anywhere you don't want us to follow the leads, or what if we get into to it and we start going down paths that, you know, some people might be uncomfortable. And to her credit, she said, follow the leads wherever they may go. Wherever it leads you, you know, don't hold back. And we did that. We followed the leads, but we stayed true to our mission. Our main focus was on Mr. Swallow. I know the other investigations have told us that we helped them. We appreciated their work. They're, it's not done. This is not over. District attorneys will have to decide what they're going to do with it. We have given them a significant amount of information as well as their own investigation. But it, it's been worthwhile, and I, I think with the legislation that was passed this year, we are in a better position going forward. And as, as Robert uh, said, we didn't address all the issues that we may want to look at as far as campaign finance reform. Remember our our final report was only made the day before the session ended so it, and, and so we didn't have a, a lot of time to kind of work on additional campaign reform but we did make some real strides this session. 
We're going to have to leave it there. Representative Dunnigan, Speaker Lockhart, and Robert Gerke, thank you all very much for your time today. Thank you. And again, lots of history, uh, Robert's good reporting on our website, sltrib.com. I'm Jennifer Napier-Pierce. Thanks for tuning in to Trip Talk. We'll see you next time.